The UK mortgage crisis is ushering in a new era. After nearly 15 years of cheap credit, the Bank of England has turned the screws on borrowers, lifting interest rates to the highest level since 2008. It's doing what it can to ease surging inflation. But the impact for many millions of households secured with a mortgage is a significant increase in their monthly payments and a harsh blow for many already struggling with the cost of living. Welcome to the iPodcast. This week, we're looking at how this surge in the cost of borrowing is going to reshape Britain's economy, society and politics in the coming years. I'm joined by our Money and Business editor, Jesse Hewitson, and housing correspondent, Vicky Spratt. Just to sort of set the scene on what's going on, I realise this is a very big question, but Jesse, can you give us a little summary of what it is that the Bank of England are doing at the moment and why? Yep. Well, as we all realise, inflation is a big problem keeping members of the Bank of England awake at night, probably. So probably adding to their sleepless nights is that they don't have very many tools at their disposal to bring it down. And two of the main tools are increasing the base rate. So the base rate is the official rate of interest. And once you increase the base rate, then mortgage rates follow. Why this brings down inflation is that if interest rates go up, then your mortgage rate goes up and borrowing goes up. So it's sucking money out of our wallets and meaning we've got less money to spend on goods and services. Therefore, inflation comes down. The other more positive way that the bank can influence things, well, they can't directly influence this, but they can hope that the banks increase savings rates to incentivize savers to save more money. And that also sucks money out of the economy. As you kind of alluded to there, Jesse, it is having a big impact on people's mortgages. Vicky, you've spoken to a lot of people who've been affected by this. Tell us a bit about what they're telling you about the impact that this is having on their life. Well, we've got a problem because, as Jesse rightly notes, one of the levers for bringing down inflation, although it's increasingly the use of the lever is being debated, is to make borrowing more expensive. But since the 2008 global financial crisis, we've had historically cheap borrowing. House prices, partly because of this, have hit historic highs. So people who've bought in recent years have bought at the top of the market, and we know they have taken on bigger debts in relation to their incomes to buy expensive homes. Many of them will have done that on low rates, and now they're coming off those rates onto much higher rates. 1.6 million fixed rate mortgages will end by the first quarter of next year. Some of those people will have been on one or two percent and they're going to be coming off to five or six. That's a big jump in your monthly repayments. And I'm hearing from people, and I'm sure Jesse is too, who are struggling to make those repayments or are having to make cuts in their household spending elsewhere. I was talking to my sister at the weekend. She's thinking about downsizing. She and her fiance just bought their first family home. They just had their first child. It's got three bedrooms. They're now wondering if they can afford it. So these are the kind of choices that people are making. And the poverty experts at the Joseph Roundtree Foundation say that 700,000 low income homeowners, because let's remember, not all homeowners are wealthy. Some are, but not all of them, are already 
seriously struggling to make their monthly repayments. And the economists at the Resolution Foundation have done some studies which show that people are increasingly turning to other kinds of borrowing to make ends meet. So there is a knock-on effect of rates going up, and it is that having a home is not as cheap as it once was. Well, we know, don't we, that when things start to hit people's wallets, it often also hits their votes. Vicky, you spend a bit of time in Westminster chatting to the powers that be. What are you picking up there about how this is being received? Oh, everyone's very worried, but nobody really has any answers. I think it's fair to say that Labour are worried and the government, the Conservatives, are also very worried. We actually did some polling, exclusive polling done for the iPaper by the pollsters YouGov, which was published last week, which finds that the majority of Conservative voters do blame the Conservatives Mm. since 2010 for the housing problems that we are now facing, which include more expensive mortgages. And I think the Tories will be very, very worried about what this means for them in 2024. But of course, they're backing the Bank of England. Inflation is a huge problem. This is the current policy. There's not a huge amount they could do. They could help out homeowners. But if they did, they'd kind of be defeating the point of putting interest rates up because they'd be putting money back into the economy when, Jesse just pointed out, we're trying to take money out of it. Well, let's talk more about that. There is the old saying, isn't there? If it's not hurting, it's not working. Jesse, you've pointed out they don't have very many things available to them. And that actually, as you wrote recently, one of your pieces, clobbering people with mortgages is essentially one of the only ways that they can try and bring inflation down. Is it the case that this has to be painful? Is there another way this could be done? Yeah, we are seeing suggestions appearing about different ways of doing it. So at the moment, we've got a third of people own their own home. We've got a third of people who rent and we've got another third of people who own their home outright. On the whole, those people that own their home outright will be older people approaching or in retirement. So there is a sort of age demographic consideration here. So we're seeing older people on the whole feeling a lot less pain than people who are younger that are still paying off their mortgage. So it has been suggested that to basically sort of clobber a third of people who are mortgage payers and provoke quite extreme financial distress for them as a way of solving inflation for all of us is really unfair. So some people are suggesting that maybe a better route would be taxation. And it has been suggested recently that you could perhaps tax older people, those people who own their home outright, or you could tax wealthier people. And how realistic is that as a, as a policy outcome? I mean, we've seen the government making low taxes and reducing taxes a big part of their agenda. I would say it's not realistic at all under the Tory government who are under acute pressure themselves to lower taxes. You know, we've seen taxation has reached almost the highest levels we've ever seen and is about to surpass the sort of amount of tax we've ever paid before. So I can't see it happening. And the other thing to mention is, you know, as Vicky was saying, that this crisis is affecting everyone. So it was perhaps in the beginning of the cost of living crisis, we were seeing the poorest, most affected. And of course, they're affected in a much more sort of intense way. But we're also now seeing the sort of middle classes get really quite affected as well. I think this this generational point is a really, really important one as well, Jesse. So I'm really glad you brought it up because I wrote about this in my column the other week. Young adults, so millennials in particular, broadly under 40s, have now been hammered by monetary policy twice, right? 
the low interest rates of post-2008 were responsible for house price inflation because it made it cheaper to buy and lots of investors swooped in when house prices fell after 2008 took advantage of those, those low rates and have profited from the gains in, in the house value since then. So younger adults didn't benefit from those low rates. And are now, if they have managed to buy homes, they're being hammered by higher rates. And if they rent, we know that rents are also going up. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds for young working age adults. And if you're in your 30s or early 40s, that's a really important time of life because you are probably hitting the peak of your earnings. You might be starting a family. We know the average age that people have children now is in your early 30s. But if your income's being squeezed by your housing costs, for instance, that is really, really challenging. I think, you know, the story of my sister does speak to that. I'm sure she's representative of so many people. The immediate chances of a different approach being taken, as Jesse suggests, are very, very slim. And certainly Labour are not suggesting that they're going to do anything different, really, to what the government's doing currently. I think that's a really important point mm. to make. But the long-term impact... And we know that young adults' wages were scarred by the financial crisis. The Institute for Fiscal Studies did some work on that and that they never really recovered in the way that everybody hoped they would. I think the long-term impact of that is quite serious because also remember this demographic, if they've bought homes, unless they're particularly wealthy, they're not going to make huge amounts of money on those homes because the relationship between house prices and earnings can only be stretched so far. And it looks like we might have stretched it to its limit. House prices can't really go much higher unless earnings rise rapidly. So we're in a bit of a bind for mm. what young adults' financial futures look like, I think. Well, there's another group of young adults, which we're talking about a little bit less, but as you touched on, Vicky, that's renters. You've said, Jesse, that makes up around a third of the population. There's been a lot of discussion around mortgage rates. And I think there's a lot of renters saying, hello, we've known that the housing market has been in a dire state for years and years, and it hasn't been front page news all this time. Is there any suggestion of support for renters in the way that people are looking at support for mortgage holders? I would just say it has been front page news here at the iPaper. Thank you very much, Molly. We have covered... <laughs> Leading the charge. ...the crisis for renters a lot, but you're quite right. It hasn't had the same attention in the national press that the plight of homeowners has had, whether that's people not being able to buy or now the mortgages crisis. I think that's wrong. And this is something Jesse and I talk about all the time. Renters, we know on average, have less in savings than homeowners. And they have little to fall back on. We don't have as much social housing as we used to have. We now have more low-income households relying on private landlords than living in social housing. That's also a problem because housing benefit, which is the support that they can access, has been frozen since 2019-2020, which means it's not gone up at the same rate as rent rises. So we are, we are in a bit of a difficult situation for renters. And of course, Scotland have taken action they brought in legislation to freeze rents. That's a controversial policy. But Nicola Sturgeon at the time described the rising rents as a humanitarian issue linked to the mm -hmm. cost of living crisis. That, that was her language. It's a humanitarian problem that people can't afford housing. But we don't have anything similar in England and Wales. And there is a question mark over whether there should be support for renters. But again, that would go in direct contradiction to what the Bank of England's trying to achieve. And there is concern if you give renters more money, well, won't landlords just put up the rent more? Mm. Because there is no mechanism to stop them doing that. 
and and I do wonder, I do wonder what would happen. But of course, I think low income renters should absolutely be able to access state support that covers rents in their area. And we know that there are very very few properties that they they can afford to rent. Mm. And we don't have enough social housing. We have a waiting list of over a million households. Many of those families with children, and this is only getting worse. And the focus on mortgages is quite right. I don't think this is either or. I think I think it's pretty disastrous on both sides. Well, that's cheery. Um, let's look ahead Sorry. to <laughs> let's look ahead to the impact that this could have on the election. We touched on that briefly, and our politics team in Westminster have been doing a great job in looking at this. They wrote a piece recently which had a Tory MP quoted in it, and he said that when he was knocking on doors at the minute, it's literally getting slammed in his face, and a lot of that they think is due to the impact that people are feeling of the cost of living crisis after the Conservative government have been in power for 12 years. From the people that you are speaking to, how important is this to them as a kind of electoral issue, as a vote decider? Well, the Tories used to be known for being the party of low taxation and the party of home ownership, and they have now lost both. But it used to be a given that if you led a fairly ordinary life, did an ordinary job, you should be able to own a home. That is not the case anymore. And house prices got so expensive, they were only affordable because of rock bottom interest rates. Now those rock bottom interest rates have gone and it's debatable whether we're ever going to see them again. I mean, I think the Bank of England is going to be well and truly scarred by this experience of inflation. And everyone acknowledges that a very long period of very low interest rates was one of the contributory factors. So the Bank of England is not going to want to go there again. So I find it plausible that we're not going to see those rates of 1% or 2% again, unless we go into deflation. Who knows? But it's it's unlikely. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at you with the hope that there'll be something more positive. I'm, than- just, I'm just listening to Jessie and I feel like whenever we speak at the moment, we're sort of like, how are you? Yeah. Okay. It's still looking, <laughs> still still looking terrible. Pretty bad, isn't it? How, how worried are we this, this week? But I think that the political ramifications of this will be huge. In the same way that the political ramifications of low interest rates were huge, you know, an entire generation really struggling to access home ownership in the way that their parents and grandparents got used to from sort of, I'd say, the 70s onwards. It's a relatively recent historical phenomenon, but it became the accepted norm. We're seeing a conservative government that's had power for a really, really long time. They have not fixed what is loosely termed the housing crisis, which I think is all of the things we've discussed not enough social housing, insecure, expensive private renting, expensive housing, now expensive mortgages. But there is one Conservative MP who, I don't know if this is because quite often when parties are coming to the end, potentially, of a very long period in power, they do start just doing things to see what sticks because they've got nothing to lose. Perhaps that's where the Conservatives feel like they are right now, particularly after years of turbulence with leaders making headlines for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) But there is one MP who seems to be still putting out quite good policies. And I think that's Michael Gove, the housing secretary over at the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, as it is so catchily called. And he has done a lot on renting. He's pushing through the renters reform bill, which will make it harder for landlords to evict people, although they will still be able to evict them for rent arrears, which given that rents are so expensive is maybe not a great thing right now. And he's pushing ahead on trying to sort out the cladding crisis as well. And he does talk about social housing. Whether he could ever get the money from the Treasury to build it is quite another question. But I do think some members of the Conservative Party 
understand the scale of this problem and they are worried about it and they are trying to do things. What happens in 2024 and whether anything actually materially changes between now and then, I think remains to be seen. But I don't think Labour have any policies that are silver bullets for this. And I keep asking them what the policies are and being told that they're being costed and that they will be announced. Well, it's all getting a bit soon. Squeaky bum time, as my dad used to say. I'm interested in the impact that it's had on you guys personally. You've both written about your sort of personal experiences with this crisis. Jesse, you've taken in lodgers. And Vicky, you've spoken about your issues around negative equity, which is something I only faintly understand. Tell us a bit about how it's impacted you guys. Well, I am a person who took out a five-year mortgage at 0.99%, overextended myself, got a pretty large mortgage and forgot that the rock bottom rates we were experiencing weren't going to last forever. And given that I have spent my career writing about property and money is a pretty embarrassing admission. (laughs) But I think it also shows you the extent to which rock bottom interest rates had just become embedded in our national Mm -hmm. psyche. So we could just about afford this mortgage as long as nothing ever changed. And of course, everything's changed and we're going to remortgage in a few years time. And, you know, the rate is likely to be four times higher, uh, you know. And if we were going to mortgage now... That was a collective wince. Sorry, I'm really feeling for you. (laughs) If we were going to remortgage now, it would be six times higher. Now, I don't... I think we're actually... We're not at the sharp end of this, even though we are going to see some of the most extreme rate increases because I have a house, I've built up equity. As Vicky's pointed out, I've been fortunate recipient of 15 years of very low interest rates, which has allowed us to buy a house essentially. So I've got options and there are people like me who do. However, I am worried about it. So what I've done is we've just recently taken in our second lodger And so we're just putting money into a savings account really to offset when the inevitable happens. And how has it been? It's been good. You Uh, have to say that though, don't you? This is a public podcast. (laughs) Genuinely, it's been good. They might be listening. Bradka makes lovely cheesecakes for us. That must Um, help. And Marina has a cat called Titika. So we've been lucky. (laughs) And Vicky, you've spoken as well about your, your issues as a result of this I don't know if we should call it, a well, I don't know what the best term to call it anymore is, crash, crisis, whatever we're looking at. Tell us about how how you've been affected. Well, if I could take in a lodger, I would, but I can't because I have a one bedroom flat. Now, again, like Jesse, in so many ways, I'm one of the lucky ones, right? I am an anomaly in the millennial generation in that I have been able to buy a home. I was only able to do it because of some money from my ex-partner's grandparents, which I have to give back to them and also redundancy payout that I got from a job and we did the help to buy equity loan scheme. I've now been in the flat five years as you may have guessed ex-partner we're no longer together so I'm repaying the help to buy loan now for the first time which is about £300 a month, 350 on top of my mortgage which I refixed last year at around 3.3 but that was up from I think 2% so that was that was a significant jump of a couple of hundred quid a month not small so I am now down I think it's close to 600 pounds a month more than I was before I've gone from having a two income household to being a one income household and I'm fixed for 5 years at 3.3 but after that who knows where we'll be I mean, hopefully I'll be in a different life stage by then, but I might not be. And I'm currently buying out my ex-partner 
So I'm going to take the mortgage into my own name. And the bank sent a surveyor to check the value of the flat. And it's gone down in value by just over £20,000. So in order to... How's that happened? Well, because house prices are falling from, from... Well, this is what's interesting. House prices are falling from their pandemic peak. House prices hit an all-time historic high in 2022. But I bought in 2017. So that suggests that they are falling more significantly than we are thinking at the moment. And we actually won't really know how significant those falls are until next year because of the time it takes for rates to feed through into the market. But because I'm in negative equity, buying out my ex-partner, this is wild. Oh, negative equity, by the way, just so anyone who, like Molly, is a little bit unsure about what all this jargon means, which you would be well within your rights to be unsure about, it is when a home that you've bought is worth less than what you paid for it and what you borrowed against it. So I have to give the bank about £7,000 to keep my mortgage. Well, I'm sorry that we don't have cheerier stories for people, but it is so important that we look at all facets of how this is affecting people. And we will continue to dig into this just after a very quick break. Our journalists cover what's going on in the economy from every angle, cutting through complexity to reveal what really matters to you. To support this important work and keep up to date with the latest news and features, consider a subscription. Go to inews.co.uk forward slash podcast and get more than 30% off a digital subscription to I. I for Open Minds. Subscribe today. We've done a lot of talking about what's going on at the moment, but I'm really interested in what is going to happen next. Jesse, you have been warning that we might be looking at a recession lying ahead of us. Is that your prediction? And for people who maybe weren't super aware of what happened in 2008, what kind of impacts can we be bracing for? It's really hard to predict anything at the moment because I've been money and business editor at the Eye for nine months and it's just this roller coaster of constant <laughs> evolving situations that people haven't seen before. But yeah, I think a recession is definitely possible. We could well be in a position where inflation is now embedded in our economy. And what that means is that wages go up, which means people can then spend more amounts on buying their supermarket shopping, which means Tesco's can carry on charging more for Lurpak and it just goes on forever. And historically, the only way out of embedded inflation has been a recession. So if we look at precedents, that tends to be what follows. However, we are in a kind of unique set of circumstances at the moment. And people We're precedent defying here, yeah, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> people do point to the fact that we do have low unemployment. And, you know, while that remains, that, you know, does help on many fronts. And Vicky, you've you've touched on the fact that house prices are are starting to drop. Is your prediction that we're going to see more of that? Are we expecting that ever discussed house price crash? Well, like Jesse, I don't like making predictions, and I think most good economists also won't make them, which is a really important thing for anybody listening to know. Be wary of anybody who is quite happy to pretend that they have a crystal ball, because as Jesse pointed out, a lot could change. We just don't we don't know. But what we do know is that we've never been in this situation before where house prices are so high in relation to what people earn. And we've never been in a situation where people have borrowed so much to buy those homes. So, 
according to the lender Halifax, house prices are falling at their fastest rate in 12 years, but we don't yet know how low they're going to go. The data that we want is land registry data, which is how the Office for National Statistics record house prices. I think we won't really know how bad this is until next year, potentially even the year after, because of course, lots of people on fixed rates coming to the end of them next year. And the reason it will cause house prices to come down very likely is because borrowing power, how much people can borrow, will be diminished by the fact that borrowing is more expensive and rates are going in one direction at the moment. They're going up. It looks like the Bank of England is going to put their base rate up again. So it's not looking like there are things happening that are going to make buying a home easier. As Jesse said earlier, it doesn't look like we're going to go back to super low interest rates if we ever do. Remember, that was also a historical anomaly. So I think it's safe to say that it's very likely that we will see real house price falls. How big those falls are really, really depends on what happens in the next few months. And if you want to call it a crash, I mean, there's lots of debate about the semantics of this. What is a crash? I mean, that's a very, very fast fall. I'm not sure this is a crash, but it's definitely a fall. It's a downturn. People like to talk about crashes because that feels dramatic. I think this is very, very serious, but I'm not sure it's technically a crash. Yeah, I was going to say that with a recession as well, it is quite nuanced because at the moment we're skirting around a recession. We're barely registering growth. So we're 0.1, I think, the latest reading. And if we you know, fall by 0.1 for two successive quarters, then we're in a recession but it wouldn't make that much difference to you and me, mm. our actual mm. everyday life. So we could go into recession, wouldn't feel a whole lot different to what we're experiencing now. Of course, it depends on the severity of a recession, because if we then go into severe recession, you know, that's terrible for many people. And, and I think also wages are going up, which is part of the problem because it's fueling inflation. But things are also more expensive. Mm. So even though there is some wage growth, real wages, which is how much disposable income you have, is not actually going up. So we're now in this situation that sort of just goes round and round, as Jesse said, skirting a recession, mm. everything's getting more expensive and something will will have to give. Mm. Vicky, I want to ask you a question which I think lots of renters are wondering about, which is we're hearing news that house prices are crashing, coming down, and many people are clapping their hands thinking, maybe now I can afford to buy. Is this a silver bullet for renters in terms of getting on the housing ladder? Oh, you've asked a big question, Molly. (laughs) Okay. On the surface of things, A house price fall sounds like good news for renters, and it may well be for some, particularly if they can borrow money from family or they've managed to save a big deposit. Great. Yeah, you can pounce while house prices are lower. But if interest rates go up, it's harder to get a mortgage. So unless house prices fall dramatically, and by dramatically, I mean 30% real house price fall plus. That is the worst case scenario economists are chattering about. But leading economists like Roger Bootle of Capital Economics are saying more like 15 to 25% ballpark figure when we hit the trough, that's the lowest house prices are going to go in this particular cycle of downturn. Unless they go much more than that, I'm not sure that buying a home will actually be any more affordable because any falls in house prices might be slightly cancelled out by how expensive the mortgage would be. That said, there are other impacts too on renters, which is that rents are going up. 
So it's not necessarily going to be easier for renters to save deposits because their rents aren't falling. So I don't know that this fall in house prices is quite the boon to renters that some people are suggesting that it would be. And I would direct anyone who thinks that it is to what happened in the aftermath of the global financial crisis of 2008. We actually saw house prices come down. Yes, there was there was a crash. But who benefited? Buy-to-let landlords and investors who had the capital to go in and who had high enough earnings to get mortgages at low rates. And that, of course, fueled house price inflation. So there is another world in which house prices come down, interest rates for normal people who don't have lots of money in the bank stay high, and people who've got lots of cash can make hay while prices are low. So I'm not sure this is a unilaterally good thing for renters at all. Also, even if the drop is reasonably significant, house prices have gone up so much in recent years that it would only take us down to the levels that they were a few years ago, when for most people, they were still unaffordable. Exactly. And I think that's a really important point to make as well. Well, 20% will take us back to pre-pandemic or just before the pandemic, before this historic inflation that we saw during the pandemic years. North of 20% will take us back further. And as I've mentioned, I bought my flat in 2017. And it's currently worth less than I paid for it then. So I think we need to keep an eye on places where there's been lots of house price inflation, like London and the Southeast, because if house prices really, really went particularly high in an area, obviously the drop might be greater. And I think that's a really important point about house price falls. They will be regionally specific. So cities, London and the Southeast, but also Leeds, Manchester, places where we've seen lots of house price inflation are more vulnerable to a house price drop than places where the price of homes hasn't gone up at such a high rate. So Jesse, in terms of what the Bank of England can do about it, what can we expect to see from them? Are they going to keep with the current trajectory or, or are we expecting things to change from their end? If we were going to judge it today, I think it's likely that we're going to see another increase to the base rate when they meet in early August. However, again, it it depends on the data. We've just had some data out today, which shows that wages have increased, which is definitely going to worry the Bank of England. What we can do as individuals, I mean, as, as I said, my rate is in you know, could, if I were going to read mortgage today, my rate would be going up five, if not sixfold. But I think it's also important to say that doesn't mean the amount I'm going to pay is going to go up five or six times. It's just the interest part of your mortgage. So if you're sort of panicking about how much your mortgage is going to be, speak to a proper broker and ask them or do the calculations on a mortgage calculator yourself and have those conversations to make you feel better because it might just might not be quite as bad as you're fearing. There is one extra thing that you can do. So if you speak to your broker and you've got six months to go before your fixed rate ends, you can lock in a new rate today, six months before. And so if rates increase, which we think they might well do, you will have locked in at a cheaper rate. And then if they somehow fall, you can ditch the rate you've locked in and there's no penalty for doing that. Vicky, any tips that you've got for people out there sick with worry after what frankly has been quite a a miserable episode? (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, get ahead of your mortgage. I'm certainly speaking to a mortgage broker now with a view to figuring out what, what I can do in years to come. And I think if you've got a good broker, that's a really, really good idea. It's worth having someone in your life if you own a home, I think, and have a mortgage who can do that for you. If you're a renter, I think it's a far more worrying situation. Talk to your landlord would really be the limit of what I could suggest. And that speaks to how little support there is for private renters. 
But I got shown a shocking email by a friend of mine recently that she was accidentally copied in on by her letting agent to her landlord about what they could get away with in terms of a rent hike on her house. So we're in a situation where I'm very, very worried about private renters because you can't really get ahead of that, can you? You don't know what your landlord's thinking. Well, very useful advice. I feel like we could talk about this all day. It's fascinating, albeit I think we can all admit very miserable, but really appreciate you guys taking the time to come and speak to us about this and for sharing your own personal experiences. I think it's so important for people to hear those as well. Tell us where we can find you guys and stay in touch. You're always writing not only news stories, but opinions and and columns and all those sorts of things. So how can we follow your work? You can find me on Twitter, Victoria underscore Spratt, on Instagram, Vicky.spratt. Not on threads yet, but I'm sure I will be inevitably soon. I am also on TikTok. And of course, you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter where I talk about this kind of thing and signpost columns, exclusives, investigations that I've written on the subject. inews.co.uk for the subscribing. And you can email us at money at inews.co.uk and we'd absolutely love to hear your experiences, what your worries about, what your experiences are and any sort of nifty ways you're trying to mitigate the financial pain. Thank you both so much. I'm Molly Blackall. You can follow me on Twitter at Molly Blackall and on Instagram at molly.blackall. That's all we've got time for this week, but thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>